A good Friday morning to you on this April 30th. I'm just realizing that April 30th, the end of April, there, there's there's implications for a Sonos speaker promotion that you'll be hearing a little later on in the show. <laughs> April 30th, I knew that there was a reason why I, why I had April 30th jumping out at me. That's coming up when we mention our friends at Westworld, though, though really we're contractually prohibited from mentioning anybody but Bitcoin well first. What sort of muck and mire have I got myself into on this Friday morning? Sarah Hoyles, Samuel Brooks hanging out with me, and in just a second we're going to get into Ed the song. Uh, well, not into him. That's kind of creepy. It's probably not the first time he's heard. There, there's there's got to be you when, when you're going to interview a sock, arguably uh, the world's most famous sock, certainly Canada's. Absolutely. There's I wonder if he's always had like the puns or the unintentional euphemism. We'll, we'll ask him in just a second. Uh, yeah, he's I pre- mean, we got the guy. We might as well ask him if I know if I know anything about Ed the sock. He's going to have no time for this type of bullshit, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, of course, the Canadian icon on much music through the 1990s is is on the scene with a new project and we're going to talk to him about new music nation very cool stuff crowdfunded this is the new era my friends this is new and digital media you are participating in new modern digital media right now by being here whether it's live streaming on our mixler audio app or or via our youtube channel thank you to everybody that subscribes and 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 smashes like as we say or whether you're downloading the podcast or checking out our our video file later on our YouTube page. You are part of this new movement, and I'm looking forward to talking to Ed about that. Plus, uh, you know, questions that arise on our live chat. I would imagine that we're going to have some pretty funny stuff for people that would have grown up seeing him as an icon. It's a bit of a it's it's a day of Canadian icons, really. Now we're going to meet the Alberta Vax hunters, uh, Janea and Sarah, in about you know ten minutes time ish. We're going to find out why they started this Twitter account that's got more than two thousand followers. At AB underscore Vax, V-A-X. Why do they have it? What are they doing? I mean, why are people to people? I mean, it's pretty obvious, but but it's one of those projects where you go. They're, they're helping people find out where they can get vaccines. And we're going to check in and we'll continue our debate over whether we're going to call it the shot or the stab or the the jab. It's uh, the jab, Ryan. You're saying that very definitively. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've got it on my Twitter right now. I've got a poll going. And yes. I'm kind of shocked and may I say appalled that the shot is currently the leading. Get the shot. Yeah, get the shot. Yeah. Well, I mean, when we when we check in later uh, with our with our I mean, it's like we said, it's a show of Canadian icons today. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll ask uh, Clara Hughes, one of Canada's most. Uh, why am I saying one of like, is she Canada's most legendary Olympic athlete? Who's on that list? It's like I'm not talking like who are who have been some great Canadian Olympic athletes. I'm talking at the very top of the list. Well, as you pointed out uh, yesterday, so people can watch back. But the only she is the only uh, Canadian Olympian that has competed and medaled. Yeah. Medaled is the key word in both summer and winter Olympics. Unbelievable. She's tied with Cindy Clausen is the Canadian with the most Olympic medals, six medals total. Right. Uh, A Canadian cyclist and speed skater. She won two bronze in 96, one gold, one silver, two bronze over the course of three winter games. She's a legend. She's one of few athletes to have competed in the both summer and winter games. One of only five people to have podium finishes in the winter and summer versions of the games. We're not talking about Canadians. We're talking about humans on planet Earth. Get out of town. One of only five 
in, in human history, in Olympic history, let's say, to have podium finishes in the winter and summer versions of the games, the only person to have ever won multiple medals in both, the first Canadian woman to win a medal in road cycling at the Olympics, winning two in Atlanta, as mentioned. She's an officer of the Order of Canada. She's okay. So and oh, and then oh, and by the way, Arlene Dickinson's on, too. In my mind, one of, if not the most prominent and, and well-respected Canadian entrepreneurs, and right? And serious badass. And serious badass. We had her on the show, what was it, I think back in January, and it's amazing to get her back. They're going to be joined um, by another hero, uh, a pediatric infectious disease physician. So that's going to be an amazing Real Talk Roundtable. Really looking forward to that. The reason I brought them up right now, uh, aside from shamelessly promoting what's coming up on the show in a little bit, is that they're here promoting and contributing to the this is our shot campaign so they're calling it shot so there you go so i, I who knows maybe that'll did i just did i just influence the poll you've got going on your twitter we'll, we'll find out in it's just a, a very second scientific poll here, yeah we Ryan. better get we better get rocking and roll we, we can do the science and the unscientific we go to y station <laughs> when we want scientific polling at ryanjesperson.com our question of the week and then and then we can throw whatever we want out on twitter and have some fun with it this show presented like all of them uh, our title sponsor bitcoin well and we're grateful for it we were talking crypto yesterday. I was, I was having a conversation with a couple of fellas who decided to take the plunge, and they did it for different reasons. When it all came down to it, they were intrigued about what it was going to do. And they're not replacing their investment strategy, but they wanted to figure it out. And, uh, well, they were grateful that Real Talk had that connection with Bitcoin. Well, if you have questions about crypto, like what is blockchain or all the way up, you know, maybe your level of understanding is a little more deep. The team there is ready to assist you. You can find them, Bitcoin Well, under the Sponsors tab at ryanjesperson.com. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. All right. He's a Canadian pop culture legend. We say here on Real Talk, we talk news, politics, and pop culture. This one certainly qualifies, but he's making news as well. Ed the Sock a self-financed, a crowd-funded initiative. Uh, you, you remember Ed's Night Party back in the day? Well, brace yourself for New Music Nation. Ed the Sock, welcome to Real Talk, my man. Hey, thank you. Sorry if my camera's a bit... It's, my camera's always a bit fuzzy because it doesn't recognize my face as my face. So it like focuses on things in the background. Yeah. I don't know how to, how to fix that. Like, what, is it not obvious? I got eyes, I got a mouth, I got a nose. How is it? How, how am I not a face? This, this, this intelligent uh, technology isn't that smart. Is this the time you give, you've been dealing with this kind of stuff your entire life, though? I mean, this isn't the first time. This is just technology mirroring what you've probably been dealing with for decades. No, I always had cameras that focused on me. It wasn't some artificial intelligence. I had camera people, which their intelligence might have been in question at times. But generally, they understood, uh, you know, zoom in on the face, get a focus, it'll hold the focus. This is all, it's a very soft focus. It tries, it's like I'm some old movie star and I'm trying to like shoot through gauze to try to get rid of my, uh, rid of my wrinkles. Well, if I can, if I can say you look great, the soft focus is working. It's your show. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. What do you do to take care of yourself? I notice you haven't lost the stogie. I mean, the, you got the George Burns thing going on. You're going to last till you're 120. Don't wish that on me. <laughs> you don't want to live to be 120 in Canadian entertainment. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure many people do it. You. Oh, well, no, you're right. They don't because you know why Canadian entertainers die uh, relatively young? Mm. They want to. <laughs> 
So what brought you back? Well, what have what have you been doing? Where have you been? You've been all over Twitter. I know where you've been, but what's the deal with you know you're thrusting yourself back onto the national stage? Well, I uh, I mean I, I've always had a great affection for uh, much music. That's where I you know that's where I gained uh, that, and uh, my my city TV late night show were where I gained uh, my my fame, uh, and so I always loved the freewheeling sense of much music. The uh, the way it was so immediately relatable the way people could feel like they belonged no matter where they were from where they were across the country it was like a national meeting place and everybody felt like it was theirs and they belonged and so i uh and plus you know canadian musicians don't have a platform now to give them a boost there were a lot of musical acts in canada which got a boost on uh, much music and and found fame and fortune all right well maybe fame um, and uh, I wanted to bring that back to a whole new generation. I want to bring back that 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 video music entertainment because there's tons of videos being done now, um, but people don't get to see them. Artists are putting together videos because it's cheap to make them, make good ones, but nobody sees them. They put them on their YouTube channel. They get 63 views. I want to create a platform where we've got VJs and we have fun, uh, creative anarchy, we talk about music, we introduce you to new music, uh, and we bring back that spirit, which is essentially Canadian. You were, I, I love that creative anarchy. You, you're kind of a pioneer in that sense. I mean, you did something, you're doing something that nobody had really seen before, and you should see our live chat right now. People are like, it's Ed the Sock. Like, what? Like, did people have a connection with you? How were you born, Ed? How am I what? You know what I mean? I mean, I'm trying to think about everything I'm trying to think of to say to you. It sounds sexualized. It's all it's messed up. But I'm like, how did how, <laughs> I can't even. Oh, my God. I'm not going to say that. How, how did how did you come to be? Uh, how, how did how did how did this how did the, the human behind the magic that is Ed the Sock? How did this become the project that it was and what it came to represent to Canadians? How did how did you happen? There's no human behind me. You can see the camera. There's no other, there's a picture of James Garner from the Rockford Files. There's a Superman TV. I see that some of my cereal my cereal boxes there as well. But there's no human behind me. I don't I don't, I, uh, I don't mean any offense. No, I know you don't, or, or else I would I would take you to task. Um, and I would mention that uh, shirt you're wearing looks like a pajama top. <laughs> oh, thank um, you. It's actually it's, uh, a, it's actually it's a double breasted cardigan. As a matter of fact, thank you for noticing. Well, no, I wasn't talking about the cardigan. I was, I was oh, the shirt trying itself. to avoid that. Yeah. The shirt itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It looks like pajamas. Yeah. It's got ice. Do you cream just like slide. Do you sleep upstairs and slide down like a fire pole in your pajamas and do your show? That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, so I started on uh, the smallest cable access station in uh, Toronto. For those who don't know what cable access is anymore. It was like YouTube before there was a YouTube. It was where people who were not ready for tele regular television would take their alternative ideas and uh, the cable companies would give you a show. They didn't pay you for it, but you got to do you got a broadcast platform. And so I, uh, I started there and then the show got popular and started to be carried by all the cable access stations in the country, all the big ones uh, at 1130 Friday nights. And it did so well that uh, first CBC approached me. But I said, there's no way I'm going on CBC. I'll last a week. Um, and because, uh, I mean, I, I never featured soapstone carvings. Right. Things like that. So 
they wouldn't be interested in me. Um, and then uh, City TV and Much Music approached and said they wanted me to take my late night show to City TV and they wanted me to be a VJ on Much Music. And uh, I was there for 14 years. So what's it like, like when, when Ed the Sock goes out at night in Toronto, like pre-COVID or post-COVID, like you, you don't wait in line to get into bars? Do you have, I mean, are people hanging all over you, buying you drinks? I mean, how do you keep your composure as a Canadian celebrity like you are? Well, okay, first of all, Canadian celebrity is an oxymoron. There are no Canadian celebrities. There are people in Canada that other people have heard of. But there's no such thing as a Canadian celebrity. And uh, I find Canadians tend to be, you know, we're, we're very subdued about people we recognize. You just sort of give a nod and stuff, but they don't get in your face. They get in your face when they're drunk, but I usually leave the place before people get that drunk. Yeah, fair enough. So you've got this Indiegogo. Uh, people can check it out right now. Indiegogo.com, Projects, New Music Nation. They can find it via your Twitter, uh, your Instagram. And you raised, you said you needed to raise 35 Gs. Uh, you've beat that and people can continue to donate. I checked on it. People are backing this in a big way. Uh, aside from the obvious, what has that said to you? You got to be pretty stoked about that, that this wasn't just a vision that you had, that a lot of people want to see this happen. Well, uh, you know, I've always suspected that Canadians missed it that cause you know, much music didn't uh, lose people's interest. Much music stopped being much music. They stopped playing um, music they started playing bad reality shows. They stopped running all the uh, great shows that people loved, like Tree Toss and Snow Job, um, my Fromage show. They had to stop because I quit. Uh, and uh, there, there was just there's a place in Canadians' heart for what Much Music represented to everybody. And uh, since Much Music abandoned them, it wasn't like this was an idea that ran out of steam. It was an idea that people still have an, uh, an appetite for, but corporations and bad management ruined it. So I'm glad to see that, the, you know, Canadians are really embracing this. The amount of uh, submissions I'm getting from bands across the country is staggering. I don't know how I'm going to spend the time, how I'm going to go through all of that. It's, it, it's far more than I thought I would get within the, the first uh, month of this, the, the campaign. And uh, we actually have raised more than what shows on the Indiegogo page. If you want to check out, go to newmusicnation.ca. There's videos there. There's one that explains what we're doing. And then there's four, no, I think five now, uh, bios of our new VJs that are there. Check it out, newmusicnation.ca. And then there's an Indiegogo logo. You can click there. But what doesn't show uh, on the Indiegogo page there you go. You guys are quick. What uh, does well, we've got? A, we've got a, we got a whole team, Ed. We got a whole team over here, man. That's almost not Canadian. Yeah, I know. Um, we uh, we raised uh, twenty thousand dollars more than is showing up on the Indiegogo. Are you gonna so Are at, you gonna run into? Are all these people that you know the the uh, that, that ran much music into the ditch? All these executives that are going to be sour. On, on hearing you disgrace and deface their legacy of running the Canadian television institution into the ground? Are you expecting retribution? Are you expecting legal challenges? Do you think anybody's going to come after you here for co-opting any of the logos or the concepts or anything like that? Serious question. No. Uh, I spoke to uh, the current owners of Much Music, uh, Bell Media. I spoke to the person who is in charge of Much Music. We talked before I launched the Indiegogo. Um, and he gave me his blessing. Wow. He said, go ahead. 
Uh, he thinks it'll you know, he said, I think this will be successful. Go for it. So uh, no problems with Bell. Um, and uh, the there is one particular individual who really killed much music. I haven't said her name in public because nobody knows her name. So it, there's no point giving her attention and a potential lawsuit. Um, but she there was one person in particular who was stupid um, and thought everybody else was stupid. Um, I don't know if I could here. I'll, I'll, I'll substitute the four letter word because um, I don't know if I can swear here. Oh, you can um, say whatever the fuck you want, Ed. All right. Well, that proves it. Um, she said to me once I asked about her vision for the channel uh, because she had taken you know, take it over from previous management, said uh, our viewers are stupid and just want shit. So we're just going to give them shit. And then said, um, issued an edict that said that uh, our audience is stupid and can't remember anything that happened more than three months ago. So don't reference anything that happened more than three months ago. And I had just done uh, one of my documentaries, Smart Ass the Ed the Sock Report, uh, tracing uh, the origins of hip hop and so on. And we went back like hundreds of years to Africa, to griots, who were uh, original tale tellers with music. And so I said, uh, well, we just did a, uh, a documentary uh, about um, rap music that went back hundreds of years. And it got the highest ratings of the month. It got higher than anything else you, met, you put on or bought. And they, she said, yeah, our audience isn't interested in that. Wow. I said, no, you don't understand. We got the highest ratings of the month. Yeah. Even our reruns were higher than your other stuff. Yeah, our audience isn't interested in that. Hmm. So... How do you have a conversation with somebody who's that closed off to reality? That's a great point. How did you, how'd you hire your VJs? I'm still, I'm going to be honest. There's some depth to this question. Um, I entered a video in the who wants to be a VJ contest like 30 years ago, and they ignored me. I didn't get a call back and I've never really totally recovered. Um, how are you screening your VJs? How are you hiring them? I uh, went through a lot of social media to find the people that I was looking for nice. and uh, contacted them, worked with them over the last eight months, uh, giving them a sense of what's needed, uh, shot bios with them. And so we, uh, you know, got to, they got to see what kind of rhythms they needed on camera. And uh, now we're just, we're just raring to go, but we have this one thing on the fundraiser, which did far better than I thought it was called. It's called VJ for a day where people get to do one VJ shift. I thought maybe we'll get 15, 20. We have uh, 50 at this point. That's fantastic. So it's what it means is some of them are going to have to wait nearly a year to get it done. Cause uh, at, at present, you know, pace, I can do maybe one a week. So it's going to take nearly a year to satisfy this for everybody, man. What a feeling though, to be doing something to launch this project, <clears throat> uh, you know, it, because you have a sense that it could take off. And you actually put it out there and you say, you know what, I'll do the work. I'll do some of the work anyway. And and, and if anybody else wants to meet me here on this, whether it's funding or creating uh, content or contributing it, videos, VJs, whatever. Um, and to have a, a response like this where uh, before you've even really launched, you're going, uh, I don't know where I'm going to find the time. We're going to be so busy. I mean, that's unbelievable. That's going to be a great feeling. It's a great feeling. And, you know, this uh, funding that we're getting from the Indiegogo, um, that is to launch phase one. Phase one is so that we can create content. We can start creating the content that is New Music Nation because then we can take that content and go to advertisers and get actual money. 
uh, for, for what we're doing. But you can't just go to an advertiser and give them this idea of what you're going to do because everybody has their own frame of reference. Everyone has their own imagination of what it will look like. And, it, and a lot of advertising people have no imagination at all. Um, and so you got to give them something. you got to show them exactly what they'd be sponsoring. So that's what we're funding now is being able to go several months creating content so that we can get advertisers. Right on. Um, Lauren's watching in and he wonders, it's a personal question, Ed. Uh, does Ed have a mate? Lauren says they'd make quite a pair. Uh, do you? I don't respond to questions centered in my ethnicity. Lauren also went on, this is totally inappropriate, and I should not read this, but, I mean, the years have passed. Lauren says you look like you put on a little bit of weight. Um, I've never asked a guest before. Have you, Ed? Well, maybe a little bit. I mean, during the, during the uh, pandemic, what is there to do but eat and watch TV? Um, so maybe I have. I think I look good, though. I think maybe I was a little too thin before. I think you. I look, think this is exactly the right weight. Yeah, I think you look great. I think if you grow out your chest hair a little bit instead of obviously shaving it, like you're obviously doing, uh, I think it could add. I don't. No, 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 no. I do not shave my chest hair. I am not one of those douchebags who waxes his chest. I hate those people driving around in a tank top in their Honda with the the music blaring. And their bass so low it shakes my car. No, I'm not one of those douchebags. <laughs> you are, however, the Canadian icon, Ed the Sock. Uh, NewMusicNation.ca is where you can find out what he's doing. Check out the hashtag NewMusicNation as well if you want to find the Indiegogo. Uh, great to have you. Hey, it was nice for you to actually wake up on fucking time for us today, man, by the way. It was nice for you to actually show up for this one. Appreciate it. Well, you see, there's kind of a plan. That way, uh, you talk about me for a whole day yeah. and make people anticipate yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. And then when I come in the next day, everybody's been waiting with bated breath. It's a plan. It's a plot. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Hey, man, honestly, great to talk to you. Congratulations on the project. Can't wait to watch it in action, and we'll stay tuned. Thanks very much, Ryan. You got it, my man. That's Ed the Sock, Canadian icon. Absolutely love that. NewMusicNation.ca. Uh, by the way, we got an email from Laurel. I don't know if you saw this yesterday after Ed ghosted us. Um, and, uh, and, and it gave us a chance to to kind of, you know, get in some emails, talk about some things. I got to blow a gasket over elephant hunting. Uh, and Laurel wrote in to say, I was really glad that Ed didn't appear today. She wrote this yesterday. She said it was nothing to do with Ed. Love Ed. She says, I appreciated there was more conversation between the viewers and yourselves. She said, I was grateful to get to know Sarah a little bit better, to be able to reflect on some of the recent show topics, the grief segment in particular. We shared some great emails. And then Laurel goes on to make some great suggestions about archived folders and content and all the things that we're working on behind the scenes. Uh, she says, consider fewer guests and more reflection in future shows. She signs off one of your raisin loving Patreon subscribers, Laurel. So Laurel there, raisin loving check. Patreon check, subscriber check. Got it. We'll file that under the working file, Laurel. Thanks so much for that. Uh, we're going to talk to the Alberta Vax Hunters in just a second. We wanted to remind you that the team at Alta Moving and Storage is Alberta's movers. They're Albertans, just like a lot of you that are watching this show. They have family and friends that depend on them. And when it comes to moving, you can depend on them too. They're trustworthy, they're dependable, and they're knowledgeable. They have moving solutions that'll fit your unique situation and budget. They take care of as much as you need, when you need it. They say, let's move together at Alta Moving and Storage, those pod-style moving containers. You can find more under the Sponsors tab. 
at ryanjesperson.com. Make sure you let him know that Real Talk sent you. And here it is, everybody. Starting today, our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park are rolling out exclusive benefits for Real Talk audience members. Starting today, they're promoting their Mother's Day cakes. They say this is our, aside from Father's Day, it's their biggest cake week of the year. Moms deserve the best of the best. They said if you mention Real Talk or Jespo at any of their six locations, they're going to give you $5 off your Mother's Day cake purchase starting on Friday, May 7th, starting a week from today. The locations will also be giving out carnations with the purchase of a Mother's Day cake. Make sure you mention Real Talk or Jespo at those six Dairy Queens and they're going to hook you up. I'm looking forward to talking to these next movers and shakers. They're known as the Alberta Vax Hunters. Uh, They're the two people behind the Twitter account, AB underscore Vax. They're helping fill vaccine spots and help the public navigate the vaccine booking system in Alberta. Janae Matheson, Sarah Mackey, welcome to Real Talk. Thanks for being here this morning. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Yeah, how, great to be here. How did how did this all start? Were you were you just were you paying attention to what people were saying, having a difficult time figuring out when they could get their shot? And you said we need to step up and do something about this. For sure. So we both kind of started the same way. We both help people with the seventy five plus booking uh, fiasco that kind of occurred in March there in February, and from there we haven't stopped booking people. We've just continued helping strangers over Twitter and over Facebook for Sarah and basically anybody who needs help. And from there we've created the Twitter account, which is absolutely taking off. I mean, you, you've you've got. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking right now. Uh, you've got more than twenty five hundred followers. Uh, for a tw- yeah, I, I created it a week ago here, oh, so that's week pretty, ago, right? <laughs> yeah, literally a week. Yeah, so, I mean, pretty. what does that say to you? Uh, that there's a lot of people who need some help here. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah, so what, what, what's the professional background here? Is there a connect? Are you pharmacists? Is there a, are you public health professionals? Uh, we definitely are not. Uh, my background, I have an English degree and a public relations diploma, and I work for a nonprofit. So I'm definitely not anyone with any medical expertise, um, but I'm very good at the internet. Most of my job is on the internet these days. Um, and, you know, I'm of the era where I grew up with dial up internet and have a lot of patience for refreshing uh, web pages that aren't working very well. So um, the day that they opened it up for 75 plus, like Janea was saying, um, I spent two hours refreshing my browser. Basically, I had two different devices set up. I had a FaceTime call with my sister to try to get see which of us would get through first. And when I finally got through, I realized, okay, not everybody has kids who can spend two hours trying to get through on the website or know how to do it. And so I started trying to round up as many other people who were eligible as possible. And it just sort of spiraled from there. I booked 17 people over 75 on that first day. And then after that, my reputation kind of started to spread. So people started contacting me directly. <laughs> Were you, uh, as your reputation started to spread, um, you know, we, we just had a conversation with Ed the Sock and uh, it's kind of it's this phenomenon. We're experiencing it, quite frankly, here at Real Talk as well. Uh, you should see our email inbox. It's a it's a it's a flaming. It's a it's a hot mess. It's a disaster. That's why Sarah Hoyles is here to try to sift through 5000 emails that haven't been read yet. Literally, uh, there's something that happens when something you start takes off and there's an excitement. And then yeah. there's also a uh, Janae. I don't know if you guys felt it, but sometimes there's like a what have I done? Like, oh boy, like, am I up for this? Have you experienced that feeling? Yeah, for sure. So like, I'm a stay at home 
stay-at-home mom with just two small kids here. So I'm trying to do this all my spare time at nap time or whatever I can. So as things start to pick up, it's like, okay, well, this is only like, you know, a couple more months of these phases until everybody has their first shot. So it's just a very short-term job and hopefully we can handle the the influx here. What What's the feeling when, when you help somebody uh, track down the information they're looking for or book their vaccine? For some people, I would imagine it's helping them with very much the basics. And for some other people, I've noticed you helping with troubleshooting and explaining to people how they can tell which vaccine they're getting or dealing with their appointments. Um, Sarah, how does that I mean, how do, you, how do you feel when you help somebody out with that? This is a big deal, the vaccine. Yeah, it was it was really that was what kept me doing it after that yeah. first batch is that there were especially on that first day to, to Alberta Health Services credit. They have actually fixed their website and the things that happened on that first day back in February. They've got a queue. It works now. You can you can get on the system now in a way that you couldn't then. But um, people were so overwhelmingly grateful and they were so, they didn't know what to do. And, you know, this sort of random person showed up in their life, whether because they have a friend who know me or a friend of a friend or this, it sort of spread over the time, but they just are so grateful and they just, they just, people just want to get vaccinated and they don't know how to do it and they don't know who to ask. And there's this sort of attitude of, well, I don't want to be a bother because there's not enough vaccine. So I'll just wait and see until someone contacts me and checks with to see how it's supposed to work. And so we're just sort of trying to combat this um, feeling that there's not anyone to help when you don't know what to do so that people can get their vaccine. Because if you're eligible, get a vaccine. Like we have vaccines for people who are eligible. If you're eligible, book an appointment, call us, send an email, write us on Twitter, send a passenger pigeon, like whatever you have to do. Yeah. You want to help people in your life. Check on people on your life. Like I had a lady who's 77 who emailed me. She's been waiting for her vaccine for two months. She's been eligible since February and she's waiting for the pharmacy to call her because she doesn't have anybody to help her navigate this website. So we got her all booked in now, but there's people who are waiting, who are listening to the news hearing. We don't have vaccine. We don't have vaccine. We do. It's going to go very quickly now. It's yeah, it's it's well, it's difficult for the average person uh, to try to stay on top of the details. Right. Mm -hmm. Especially something like this where it's fast moving. You know, we were talking to, you know, um, community leaders in in Fort McMurray, for example, regional municipality of Buffalo, you know, Athabasca Chippewan, First Nations Chief Alan Adam, uh, Mayor Don Scott up there. Um, I don't know if it's because of their advocacy publicly. I I would imagine that probably was a big part of it. But but all of a sudden, the Mm -hmm. Alberta government found some vaccines to get up there, lowered the age. And then all of a sudden, you know, hopefully that that's going to have a real impact in, in that community. You're seeing a lot of people self starters. I think two of you are classic examples. But then there's a lot of people out there that are going, I don't know, like, what is it now? How old do you have to be? What's the where do you what's the deal? Yeah. You know, and and, I, and these are people that I don't think are vaccine hesitant or no. an, and certainly not anti-vaxxers. They're just like they have their regular lives to worry about. And it's tough to stay mm-hmm. on top of all the details. There's also I mean, this the, real. Oh, go ahead, Janine. I, I mean, the updates for the vaccines come at 9 p.m. on a Sunday on Twitter, too. So it's not always uh, accessible to everyone, too. Unless you're sitting there watching for the updates to roll out, you don't really catch on to what's changing day to day. And there are day to day changes. What were you going to say, Sarah? Because yeah. the message was for so long was we don't have enough vaccine. Mm-hmm. This is a failure, you know, by Justin Trudeau. And that's why things are so bad. We don't have enough vaccine. We don't have enough vaccine. And it's this whole concept of like people internalize the scarcity mindset of there's not enough. I'm going to wait because someone else needs it more than me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even like 
10 days ago, I think, Jason Kenney was had a press conference where he said teachers are want to go next, but they're trying to take vaccines from a 65-year-old with a chronic condition. And I was like literally yelled at my computer, the 65-year-old was eligible a month ago. They're already vaccinated. And so there's this, and I talk to people who are like, well, I know I'm eligible, but I feel like other people should get it first. And it's, um, someone used the metaphor of like, you're sitting at the green light, waving other people around you. And at that point, like maybe the system is broken. Maybe we should have different eligibility requirements, but this is a system that we have. And you're just holding up traffic at the point where you're trying to be noble. My sister calls it the Canadian standoff. Where everyone's like, no, please, you go ahead. Oh, yeah. no, I couldn't possibly. Like, just get a vaccine. We have lots. Yeah, There's 236,000 <laughs> vaccines. Just Pfizer coming next week for Alberta only. We've got vaccine coming now. Yeah. yeah. Would everybody stop, please, being so polite? Knock it yeah. off. Look after yourselves. Book your yeah, book your spot. Yeah. What, what if what if Because people- you're not... You're helping other people now, too, because when everybody books who's eligible now, that gets the next phase eligible faster. Have you two been the types to take action before? I mean, are, are you is this would, would your friends say, oh, yeah, I'm not surprised these two are doing this. They're they're the, they're the type to step in and help people. I mean, is this kind of how you roll? I uh, yes, every single one of my friends would say that they're not yeah. surprised. <laughs> For sure. What have people been saying to you? I mean, are you, do you get do you get thank you cards? Do you get notes? Do you get have you had some meaningful feedback? Oh, for sure. Like we've had people cry that they're so thankful that we've got them an appointment and that they can see their vulnerable relative or that they themselves who are vulnerable are not as at much of a risk anymore. Um, obviously, we've had people try and send us gift cards or pay us, but we don't really want that. We just want people to get vaccinated so that our lives can return to normal, hopefully in the near future here. Well, I, I did. Think- have, one of my neighbors brought me a cake. That was nice. I won't turn down cake. (laughs) Well, and and I mean, especially now that if you say real talk, you can get them five bucks off at Dairy Queen. I mean, why wouldn't, you know, why wouldn't, why wouldn't people be bringing you cakes? I can't think of any good reason why they wouldn't. Um, My friends, this is absolutely fantastic. Uh, I think it's just great. Um, Sarah Hoyles put this on our radar and we went, we have to talk to these two. I mean, this is what it's all about. These people stepping up and. And this is you're not getting paid to do this. You're not doing this for any other no. reason than, than to help people out. I think it's fantastic. How long how long are you going to keep it going? As long as it's needed, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if we've discussed that specifically, but yeah. hopefully until after second shots are done. And then I guess we'll see what comes comes in the next year or so. Well, it's really I don't fantastic. want to think about booster shots. I'm yeah, not ready no. to think about booster shots. <laughs> Shot one is our goal, right? Well, you may. Yeah, I'm, I'm focused on everybody with the first with the first dose. Which is great. Um, although, like it or not, you may have created a community of people here. You, you, you're getting people together here, people that are going to rely on you to point them in the right direction on, on health measures. So you, who, knows sure. what, who knows what this could turn into? Um, it's exciting stuff just to see people taking the initiative here and rolling this out. And then the public response is remarkable. Uh, Sarah Mackey and, and Janaea Matheson, thanks for hanging out with us today. And we'll We'll let you get back to it. Thank great. you so much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, great stuff. The founders of, uh, I mean, let's just call them what they are. They're, Al- they're the Alberta Vax Hunters. And you can find them on Twitter. Uh, I link to all of our guests every morning from my profile at Ryan Jesperson. They're at AB underscore Vax. And as mentioned, you can also find them on Facebook. A couple of great Canadians right there. Fantastic stuff. As mentioned, it's April 30th today. It's the end of April. So this is your last chance at Westworld Computers, whether it's in person at their store in Edmonton. They've been open, you know, family owned for more than 40 years 
or online at westworld.ca. They'll ship anywhere. I mean, this is a truly an international company, right? The Sonos portable speakers, they've had them on special for real talkers offering 12 months, no payment and no interest on any Sonos orders. This is the whole home Wi-Fi audio system. The, the Move and the Roam are the two speakers, these portable ones everybody's talking about. You can enjoy music, voice control, multi-room listening at home on Wi-Fi, Bluetooth streaming. You want to send the music outside? Perfect. You want to turn it off, move the music into the kitchen? Do it. You know, when we can finally throw big shakers again, I can't wait to hear my buddy Sonos in action through the whole house. We're going to make it pound. If you want to load up on Sonos yourself, 12 months, no payments, no interest on any Sonos orders till the end of April. That's right now, my friends, at westworld.ca. Also, a big shout out. If you have plumbing or mechanical work that needs to be done, you're noticing like through that that spring melt, if, if you live in a part of the world where you see snow and ice in the winter and you can see in the ceiling now, there's telltale watermarks. You know there's a problem. Todd's Mechanical is the call. You may not need him today, but write this number down, or you can link to him, of course, on our website, the Sponsors tab at ryanjesperson.com, 780-499-7598. He is the preferred plumber of real talkers around the world. Todd's Mechanical, also just an all-around beauty, by the way. We get responses from people. People email us when they hire Todd. We got one from Kathy who wrote in to say he was at my place in a half hour. She had a plumbing emergency in a boiler room at her work. She said, Todd walked in. She said, I've never seen anybody so confident walk in and just handle it. Todd's Mechanical, 780-499-7598. We're going to get to our Real Talk Roundtable. That's coming up in just a moment. This is your shot. This is our shot, Canada. They're screaming from the rooftops. We're talking about Arlene Dickinson. Clara Hughes and Dr. Cora Constantinescu. They're coming up in just a moment. But Sarah Hoyles has a quick look at the headlines this morning. Let's take a look at what's making news. So Alberta now has the highest total of active COVID cases since the pandemic began. There are more than 20,000 active cases currently. Starting today, there are a few new public health measures in hotspots uh, some people are, are not sure if it, they go far enough. There's a proposed changes to Bill C-10, and that's uh, that would allow the Canadian Radio, Television and Telecommunications, Telecommunications Commission, that, that's the CRTC that you hear about, to regulate user-generated content. So that actually includes things like YouTube and social media platforms. So that's being discussed. And more COVID news, and it's not good. Uh, Brazil becomes the second country to record 400,000 COVID-19 deaths. That's just uh, after the U.S. and India has now posted seven, seven consecutive record high days of new infections. There are more than 3,000 deaths on Wednesday. When you list those numbers, it's hard to wrap your mind around it. Absolutely. You can, you know, when you're, when you're, uh, I don't mean this in a crude way, but when it starts to feel like you're just keeping score, you're just like, yeah. oh, add another 3,000, add another 3,000. When you wrap your mind around it, when you like think Brazil. of like the families and the just the daily lives that are just gone, that's 400,000 people. Yeah. That's a, that's a city. You know, it's like the city of Saskatoon. I mean, just sorry, Saskatoon, to use it as an example. I mean, just a perspective check. It's unbelievable. It's got more people talking about vaccines. Obviously, we know that that's going to be probably the, the biggest factor we can control 
although I may be stepping into some hot water here making an assertion like that. Let me simply say, I think that the majority of people would agree that a vaccinated population, they're talking about 70%. That's the number everyone's trying to get to, 70% of the population vaccinated. A vaccinated population will go a long way into, well, all of us being able to get back to some semblance of some form of normal. And that's kind of the premise of this is our shot, Canada. It's a new campaign at thisisourshot.ca. You can see it. Uh, as of April 29th, these numbers, as of yesterday, more than 13 million COVID-19 vaccines administered in the country. This movement has just launched this week to rally Canadians and, and encourage one another to replace vaccine hesitancy with confidence. It's a real pleasure to welcome to the program uh, three absolute legends in their own regard and public backers of this campaign. Dr. Cora Constantinescu is a pediatric infectious disease physician at the Alberta Children's Hospital. Arlene Dickinson is a Canadian business icon, a general partner of District Ventures Capital, a best-selling author, and of course, many people will recognize her from uh, CBC's Dragon's and Clara Hughes is arguably, and I think we're going to say, I think we agreed definitively, uh, Canada's greatest all-time Olympic athlete, a medalist in both the winter and summer games, and an absolute beauty. It's great to have the three of you joining us on the show this morning, and a warm welcome to Real Talk. Thanks so much, Ryan. It's great to be here. It's great to have you here, Claire. I remember yeah, the, la the last time that you and I spoke was was a few years ago in a radio studio. It's wonderful to have you back, Arlene. It's great to have you back here on Real Talk, and 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 Doctor, making your debut. Uh, you're you're the one here with all the medical expertise. Uh, so so I found myself before I check in with the doctor, starting to talk about the most important steps we can take as a society to starting to inch back toward normal. And I thought maybe I better shut the hell up and get the doctor to go on the record. How important are vaccines? I don't want to treat it like an obvious question. How important are they? And why are you involved in this campaign? Well, good morning, everyone. Thanks for having me, Ryan, by the way. Um, you know, they're really crucial. I've been watching these vaccines and praying for a vaccine ever since they sequenced this virus, um, you know, more than a year ago. And it's, the reason I think they're so good and the reason this campaign is so important is until now, we've been kind of calling everyone to inaction. You know, we've been telling people, stay home, don't see your family, don't do this, which in retrospect, not as funny as those memes recommended. Um, and here we are for the this time we can actually call, you know, it's the call to action where we can actually say to people, you go ahead, co come get vaccinated. And through this campaign, you can become a vaccine champion and actually encourage other people to get vaccinated, too. Clara, why did you want to get involved in this? Well, I follow the lead of my my Olympic heroes <laughs> and my greatest Olympic hero is Haley Wickenheiser, who's not only a multiple Olympic champion, everyone knows her, number 22, star team Canada captain for our, our women's hockey team um, over the decades, winter and summer Olympian. She's also a medical doctor in training. I believe she's finishing up her residency this year. Haley called me and other Olympic athletes, all of us into action because she said this is something we can all do 
as athletes, we focus on what we can do, not on what we can't do. And that's how I achieve my Olympic success in summer and winter sport is what can I do? What action can I take daily? How can I move towards my goal? This is not just my goal. This is all of our goals to move out of this pandemic. And as soon as I was able to get, when I was eligible to get my shot, which I got on Tuesday morning at the Calgary Convention Center, AstraZeneca, I signed up, I went there, I got it. I bawled my eyes out. It was so emotional. And, and honestly, I just wanted to spread the word to other Canadians, to of Canadians of all walks of life, to people that you can do this too. This is something we can all do to help each other. Why do you, why do you think you were so emotional? Because this has been an insurmountable last year plus. It has felt... I've, I, I personally, with all the success I've had in my life in sport and in other areas, I'm used to doing everything really, really well. And I'm also used to contributing. I'm used to being able to be the person that is able to contribute. And I have felt as, a, you know, with all the success I've had, I'm like, what can I do to help other than uh, obviously public health measures, wearing the mask, social distancing, doing my part that way. But... I have felt like I have nothing, like I skate in circles really well. I used to be able to do that. I raced my, my bike really fast. And this is the first time where I felt like I could actually do something, get the vaccine, spread the word, encourage other Olympians and people I know to sign on. My neighbors, our FedEx driver, our awesome friend who comes and delivers our packages. He came and he's, he delivered this shirt and he said, Clara, my wife and I got our vaccine. We got our first shot and he was so pumped. So this truly is something that I think can bring Canadians together at a much deeper level than even something like the Olympics. Arlene, can you relate to that enthusiasm? Oh, a hundred percent. She actually is almost making me cry just thinking about her crying. <laughs> so Clara, stop because I'll be crying <laughs> on the show and that won't be good. Um, yeah, like, and Haley called me as well because I, I'm friends with Haley and, and she said, this is what we're doing. And she actually graduates, I think this week, Clara from um, as, as a, as a doc. So she's just been CIM crying. See, Ryan, this is, it is emotional, right? Yeah, no, it, it really <laughs> is. I know. Um, yeah, it is Arlene. I, I, I shared with our audience. Uh, I got my shot early last week and, um, and I remember sitting in there and the pharmacist, he was getting ready and, and it was kind of just a, I don't know if I would say it wasn't solemn, but it was quiet uh, the room was yeah. quiet. There was me and, and two other guys, uh, you know, in, in different parts of the hallway that were all waiting and were holding this paperwork. And I, I I was kind of lost in thought in a way. And it was it struck me how quiet it was. And I sat down in this room and and he put it down on the table and I'm looking at this little glass vial. And and uh, Dr. Cora, I can kind of I can kind of relate to what you were saying about you said ever since they sequenced this. You've been praying for a vaccine because I was looking at it and there's this little glass vial and it says AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine. And I'm looking at that and it, there's just this like it's a weird thing to call it, but there's like a sweet nectar in there. I was like, you can't you can't get the, I've been waiting for somebody to punch that through my shoulder for months. And and it, and it wasn't lost on me that, that some people don't have it yet. I was very grateful for it. Uh, I had a moment too. I, I, I went out into my car and, and then I posted a photo on my Instagram of, uh, and on my Twitter of my face and my smile. I was smiling so big. My face hurt. It's like, it's a thing, isn't it? 
Yeah. I, I, go ahead. Go ahead, Dr. Corey. You're the one. I, I'm just going to sit here and cry the whole time. That's well, what I'm here for. But Arlene, like <laughs> you know, you're. You know, makeup running down my face, Ryan. That's how I feel about this. Hey, we know? have. It's like, but it's, but I, I will say, you know, sorry. And I'm not going to apologize for the emotion because it is so no. emotional. It is so important for our country. And I know, like, I can't even give you why I'm so emotional. Other I think- than. For, it matters. I, I think, first of all, that your emotion that you're showing here is beautiful. And there's a reason the show is called Real Talk, because we <laughs> keep it real. I think I've cried twice on the show this week. I'm not even joking. Um, yeah. So, so uh, you know, I, I don't care. And people bring it here and we gather in community. We talk about it. And and Dr. Constantinescu, I would I would imagine that for someone like you, that's also I mean, you're a pediatric infectious disease physician. I mean, this is your wheelhouse. You probably have no problem understanding why people like Arlene or Clara's smile that just fills that room that still does like it has for for decades for people that have watched uh, <laughs> even myself and my enthusiasm. You can understand why people feel this way. Oh, absolutely. You know what? I I was looking back on this incredibly emotional year and I was remembering the first time I just broke down in tears and it was after they had closed everything down. So we were in this complete shutdown and I was driving into work early in the morning and it was so eerie to see no cars on the street, no people out. And I remember thinking, like I had to pep talk myself, being like, you can do this. Mm-hmm. And I'm just turning off on, you know, Shaganapi Trail towards the children's hospital. And I just break down and start crying. And I had to stop in the parking lot and like, you know, we're talking like serious crying here. And I think it's so good that we can finally now show this emotion and cry about hope and this is what this is about it was so hopeless so many people have been through so much it's been such a year and here we are you know here we are and man that's that's pretty pretty good let me let me get into our uh live chat here for a second and um arlene we've lost your video can you still hear me though yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Sorry. Okay, no, yeah. no. no my, I don't know why my video is going off and on. I think it's because I'm such an ugly prior, Ryan, that my video is shutting down on me. Arlene. I, I am not. Some people are pretty criers. Like, I just, like, once I start, I am not stopping. So I'm like. So am I, Arlene. <laughs> I know, man, it's just, I think it's because this, you care and the stress and the weight of this time, this pandemic has weighed heavy on every single person. And Honestly, I felt when I went to the Calgary Convention Center, I hadn't read a single article or heard a news report. Maybe I missed the memo, but I hadn't heard about how smooth the the flow was, the volunteers there, the kindness, the welcoming, mm-hmm. and the 120 nurses that were there that morning. And when I sat with the nurse at the station that my husband and I went to and was able to thank her and thank everybody along the way as I was crying, but to say thank you for what you're doing for us and yeah. thank the collective there with the energy that I felt in that room from Canadians and Albertans from all walks of life. I felt like, you know, we had heard and I had heard reports of the kindness of all of our healthcare heroes. And these are coming from people who have unfortunately contracted COVID-19 and been in our hospitals and people that have lost family members. And they have just said, you know, I can't thank you, healthcare heroes. And I felt like I got to be there in a way that I wasn't 
that I, that I was protecting myself, my family, my community, my, my city, yeah. my country. And I felt like I could say thank you without contracting it. And this was protecting all of us. So it was a profound moment of gratitude. And as an Olympian, I have felt this immense gratitude walking onto that Olympic stage, carrying our flag, standing on the medal podiums, completing a race, feeling the energy of a nation. And this was other level, even compared to everything in sport. This was other level. This is historic. This is monumental. And this is something we can all do. And Arlene, you know, when I hear you and I see your emotion and feel your emotion, it's like we're all holding that inside. Yeah. We want to be on the other side of this. We want to succeed. It's not about medals. This is about saving lives not losing family yeah, members, yeah. not losing community members. And Dr. Konstantinescu, uh, you know, this is, I feel like this is our way of being able to thank you, thank all of you doctors and nurses and everyone, every healthcare hero. And it, it's profoundly beautiful. And I wish for everybody to experience this emotion in your own way when you go and get your shot, because this is our shot. So yeah, and I, I want to, can I just, and yeah, it is, it's hard to follow that, Clara, because it's just, it's exactly the right thing to say. But I would say, you know, we had our town hall, um, Ryan, uh, this week, and uh, there was a, a docs on there, and they all, I think uh, Haley asked them the question, what are you going to do when this is all over? And I started to cry all over again, because they were, all the doctors were talking about um, how they were going to just get back to their lives. And so... I think it's really, really important that we do allow ourselves to feel emotion. I don't know. I haven't done this ever. <laughs> Arlene, this is one of the most special interviews that I've ever been a part of. And I'm going to start crying. And I'm telling you right now, if it'll make you feel any better, I could cry right now. Um, Scott, yeah, could you please? Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, I mean, I have, you know, Sarah can tell you she can see me through. I mean, I have I have tears in my eyes as we speak. And I've been emotional all week. And there's a few things going into yeah. it. A few things factoring in. And a big part of it is this conversation. Yeah. And and my and my fellow human beings and seeing things from people this week. Um, I mean, we just just before we talked to you when you guys were in our in our our green room, so to speak, we're talking to two gals that are not medical professionals. They're they have jobs, they have kids pulling at them, they've got stuff they've got to get to, but they found they started up this social media account to help other people register for getting their vaccines. They're not making money from it. They're not sponsored. Nobody asked them to do it. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. And I mean, yeah. can I let me let me dive into our live chat here because it's 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 come alive in a way that it, it only happens when there's there's interviews that are really, really resonating with people. Um, I want to just read some of the comments. Terry is just thanking you. She says, Arlene, I just want to thank you for being genuine. Nicole says our doctors, nurses and staff deserve to be treated better. Uh, we appreciate them. Nicole says, I am so grateful that Arlene is sharing her emotion. Um, Yulian says, ah, oh, man, I was not crying until Clara started talking. <laughs> Sharon says, did I mention I love Clara Hughes? Hope Hope says, OMG, these women. Uh, you know, Julie says the sweet woman who gave me my shot was dealing with the death of her mother-in-law in India, who is extremely ill with COVID-19. And it broke my heart. Stephanie says, I think we should all rally and make sure that people who are on the fence with vaccines get the information that they need. Um, you know, I mean, I'm just going to keep going. Nicole says, I'm sending these three virtual hugs. Um, Linda Ray says this right here live is community. Um, Tiana says, I was overjoyed when I heard my severely at risk father got his vaccine. It was, I was more emotional than I expected. I had not realized the stress I was carrying for him. Um, 
Uh, I want to keep going. James says, I completely agree with Clara. Uh, the, the, the people that are helping out, even at the, the TELUS Convention Center, absolutely awesome. I thanked everybody along the way, especially my nurse. Uh, Fatima says, I don't care if I'm an ugly crier. I don't have to be pretty all the time. I love <laughs> That's amazing. By the way, Arlene, Arlene, do not take this as consensus that we agree you're an ugly crier. I've never seen somebody make I've never seen somebody make crying look so good, by the way. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, others are going on to say I want to keep reading these because this really reiterates. I mean, there are hundreds of comments here, hundreds. Um, you know, people are saying, uh, you know, uh, some random guy says, I feel very suspicious when somebody doesn't ugly cry. It doesn't feel genuine. <laughs> Scott Scott says, I can't wait to take my family to a movie again. I can't wait to hug my dad again. Uh, you know, I mean, Les says I got my shot back on April 6th and I felt like a thousand pound weight was lifted from my shoulders. Jonathan says this emotion is so real. It's a release. He says my wife and I want so badly to be vaccinated to protect our three month old son. We want it so bad. And I've already warned my wife, says Jonathan, when I get it, I will be a blubbering mess. <laughs> Greg says the vaccine's a lifesaver. That's why we're so emotional. This is not all the comments. This is just some that I'm picking at random. Um, doctor, go ahead, Arlene. No, I, I just want to quickly say I think I've got I think I've got myself a little bit under control. But I want to say something about the comments that you just read, Ryan, because you know what what people are, have been afraid to do is is say how important it is to them personally, but also to their families and their communities. And you know, I'm 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 a strong businesswoman. That's how everybody knows me. I, I'm you know I'm meant to be tough. I'm meant to be somebody who can face all these things. But I can tell you, this year has just really made me understand how important it is for us to get back to what matters. You know, if we can't be kind now to each other, then when can we be kind to each other? If we can't be generous and grateful for each other, then when can we be generous to and grateful for each other? This is the moment in time where we as a society can reset ourselves. I don't think it's about getting back to normal. I think it's about creating a new future. And it's about thinking about this moment in time of us getting the vaccines and using the time that we've been given this year to really consider what matters to us individually and collectively as a community, as, as families, as a community, as a nation, as a world. And, and I really, um, um, I am so touched by the people who are really putting in the effort to give of themselves in order that other people can be healthy. All of the frontline workers, from the docs to the nurses to the technicians to the people who clean the hospital to the people who make sure that they organize all of the um, the vaccination centers to the people who are essential workers who are delivering our goods and making sure that we can eat and have the things we need to the people who are doing everything they can to support those who are elderly and our seniors and the long-term care facilities, the people who are doing the, the work of a 100 people individually doing, you know, 18, 20 hour shifts day after day after day, wearing PPE, you know, completely doctor, Dr. Cora, I can't even imagine what you go through every day, having to gown up the way you do to, in order to help somebody else's life. And, and this is what humanity is. This is what it is all about. This is what, it's not about business and, and, you know, I mean, all of the success in the world. It's not about, as Clara said, it's, you know, sports is wonderful. Business is wonderful. Um, you know, all of these things are wonderful, but none of it matters if we don't have our health and we don't support each other. And so getting back to, you know, what we are really fighting here, we are not fighting against the vaccines. We're fighting against misinformation. We're fighting against the notion that these things are somehow 
not right for us. In fact, it is the exact opposite. It is vaccines that are going to get us out of this. It is supporting each other. It is getting those shots and it is working together. And, you know, for those of you who are on the fence about it, please listen to the docs. Please listen to the science. Ignore all the shit that you're reading in media and all the stuff that you're sorry. Did I just swear? You're allowed so to swear. I cried Arlene. and I swore. You're allowed I to swear. I cried and I swore. I cried and I swore, but I, but I, but I think it's super important that people get the facts and they get it from the people who actually know the facts and not listening to all of the noise that's out there. Um, so uh, anyway, I, I, I want you to know I'm emotional because I just have been so overwhelmed with gratitude this past um, few weeks working on this campaign and, and working with people who are giving themselves tirelessly um gary panu who helped organize this with Haley, is an unsung hero he will kill me for saying this today but i am telling you he is working 23 hours a day you know like honestly i've never met anybody so committed and so behind the scenes his you know he's not a public face he's not asking for anything he's just doing this because he cares about our country and it's that that makes me get out of bed every day and that it makes me grateful. Sorry, I'm talking too long now. No, it's now that I got now that I'm not crying. There's <laughs> nothing. There's nothing to apologize for, and we're grateful that you're here for this real talk roundtable. I mean, that's kind of the whole point of these is we hang out for you know a little bit longer than a normal interview, and we can we can work these thoughts out and and have these you know explore these ideas and truly celebrate people that deserve to be celebrated. I'm also listening to you all talk and I'm going like, does Haley Wickenheiser ever have a lazy day in her entire life? Like, are you kidding me? No. No, no, she doesn't. She <laughs> no. doesn't. Yeah, and and I I'm uh, actually here. I'm coming live from Canmore, Alberta. Anybody in Alberta knows how beautiful Canmore oh, yeah. is. Maybe everybody in Canada knows. But I'm surrounded by these amazing, beautiful mountain peaks. I'm on Blackfoot, Blackfoot, Sutina, and Stony Nakoda ancestral homelands. And uh, this past summer, when things opened up, if you're talking about Haley Wickenheiser. You know what she does on a day off? She comes and climbs a mountain with her friend, Clara. <laughs> there's a mountain we look at called um, Rundle, Eeyore, East End of Rundle. Yeah. And we went up uh, Eeyore together and I got to, you know, catch up with my Olympic friend and teammate and just hear everything she had done with um, this last year, not just her residency and everything else, but she and Guri Panu, as Arlene mentioned, our unsung hero, started the campaign called Conquer COVID and they raised over two and a half million dollars to acquire PPE and distribute it to walk-in centers, to old folks' homes when there was a real shortage. Um, there were auto body shops, all these different um, businesses in Canada that came and brought in the GTA in Toronto, brought any PPE they had sitting in their storeroom that wasn't being used because their shops were closed donating it to be given to frontline workers across Canada. There was a organization in Alberta that did the same. My husband and I donated to it. We were like, okay, we can do something, we can contribute. But Haley climbs mountains in her days off. And, and also, you know, I just wanna give a shout out to our town hall. We had seven phenomenal doctors. We had Dr. Tunde Bias, who's the head of the Black Physicians of Canada. We had Dr. Um, Lafontaine, who is the president elect of the Canadian Medical Association. We had so many amazing doctors sharing their knowledge, scientific base, just like Dr. Konstantinescu is here with us today as an infectious disease expert. These are the people we need to listen to, not me. I'm an Olympian. I am not a medical expert. Our website, thisisourshot.ca, has all of this information relating to vaccines, all the information you need in over 27 different languages. Today, I'm wearing my shirt and it says, 
got get your vacuna which is spanish my my in-laws my mother-in-law who's 90 years old mama mica down in oregon got her second shot and she's a uh, spanish speaking and i'm wearing this for my mother-in-law who i haven't been able to see in over a year now and i'm wearing this for everyone and honestly here in alberta i have to give a shout out to the sixica first nation and my my hero tyler white who's the ceo of sixica health and i've been watching the rollout of not just information protecting the community but their vaccine rollout on the nation their urban indigenous vaccine centers in calgary it's just phenomenal there has been so much action happening in communities large and small and people making a difference and um the sixica team actually received all their shirts and it was in blackfoot on the arm get your vaccine and i wish i could say it but i can't but i want to say okay to all of our friends in the blackfoot community you're amazing and you're an example for us all Hmm. That's beautiful, Clara. We uh, and, and I appreciate the land acknowledgement, by the way. Um, I, I, you, you really tap into something there. We had a, a conversation with Chief Alan Adam. Um, I, I don't think it's fair to describe him as seething with anger. That would be absolutely misrepresenting the spirit that he brought to the conversation. He was actually very calm and very measured, but quite obviously pissed off uh, at uh, him uh, speaking on behalf of not just the Athabasca Chippewa and First Nation, but the Athabasca Tribal Council, 11 First Nation and Métis nations uh, that, that collectively wrote an open letter uh, calling out Alberta's premier for his assertion that indigenous vaccine hesitancy was driving the COVID outbreak in Fort McMurray in the regional municipality of Wood Buffalo and the spirit. He didn't say these words, but the interview, anybody can watch it for themselves. The spirit of his comments were, how dare you? I mean, it was a powerful conversation. Absolutely. And, um, you know, indigenous leadership has been phenomenal with Tyler. Um with Chief Crowfoot right now with all these amazing leaders. And, um, you know, in our town hall, we had a message from a community in the Eastern Arctic in a community, a fly-in remote community, and geographically speaking on the northeast side of Ngava Bay called Kanikswa Lujwak. And a friend of mine, I've been to this community a bunch of times there. It's like, I have so many friends and family members at this point up there, but Nancy Etok, who's an educator, vice principal of the school there, shared what this has been for their community of 1,200 people and the partnership that they've had with their doctor and residents and using the local FM radio station because they don't have strong internet connection so everybody can get this information as needed, but everyone listens to the radio. And they have had zero COVID cases throughout the pandemic mm. in Kanikswalujak. It's a huge success. These successes are everywhere they need to be celebrated and we need to realize that as non-indigenous people we have so much to learn from the leadership that has been shown yeah beautifully said uh nicole says i was in shock after watching that interview uh with chief adam uh corinne says boy was he ever passionate for his people um Karen says the Blackfoot Nation in Montana once again used ex excess vaccines to inoculate Albertans this week. Uh, pretty amazing. Um, Dr. Constantinescu, we saw a couple of really heart wrenching losses over the past couple of weeks. Uh, a young child, a two year old child in British Columbia a couple of weeks ago became the youngest in B.C. to die from COVID-19. 
with complications and a 13 year old girl out of Brampton, Ontario, Emily Victoria Viegas is being mourned. A 13 year old lost her life to COVID. We understand now that the average age, I'll acknowledge I've not seen updated numbers this morning, but the average age of Albertans in ICU care is in their 50s. Um, there's been some real misconception, I think, around, you know, if you're, you know, the idea that if you're not 85 years old with lung cancer, you're going to be perfectly fine here. You're a pediatric infectious disease physician. Can can you take us into this? Yeah, absolutely. So the situation we have right now is really dire. Um, and, you know, as a pediatrician as a, and a mom, I have three kids. A child dying is just the worst nightmare. It's every parent's worst nightmare. And and our tolerance for death in children should be and is very, very low. <laughs> you know, we, we do not want to lose any children to, to this pandemic. But as we are seeing, this third wave is a variant-driven third wave. So transmissibility is higher than it was before, which is why we're seeing so many more cases in schools, in younger populations, and our epidemiology, meaning who is at most um, risk in terms of having the disease and being in hospitals has also shifted. So now we're seeing younger people in ICUs, younger people in hospitals. And I would say I urge each and every parent out there to tell me that they don't know at least one other parent whose child has had to isolate at home um, or had to, you know, or has had COVID. and. When your child is isolating at home with COVID, that from COVID, um, that threat is so much more real than it was before. And this is what we're seeing. We're now seeing this threat at in our home, at our doorstep, like never before. This is not like the second wave. And in a lot of ways, these these um, restrictions we had for the second wave are just not going to apply because this is so much worse than that. And, and you know, I'm a firm believer in vaccinating, but even if we vaccinated everyone today, it would still take two weeks for everyone to be immune. Um, and so two weeks of continued death. So I say all this because... Like never before do we, as Albertans, as all Canadians, but Albertans specifically because our numbers are so high, this is a big deal. We're at worse than we were before, and we are so close. And unlike before, we don't just have restrictions, we also have vaccinations. These two things have to come together, and we have to work on both of these things together. Otherwise, we're going to see so much more death in our own province, in our own kids, too. We need to we need to listen to that time and time again and share this message. We're talking to Dr. Cora Constantinescu, Arlene Dickinson, Clara Hughes. Uh, I'm taking a look at our Real Talk RJ hashtag. It's powered by Park Power, and I, and I love this habanero gal. Uh, her, her her full uh, Twitter uh, bio right now is habanero gal is half vaccinated. <laughs> she says there's been so much wonderful emotion today. On on real talk, she says, Arlene, Clara, so important to be encouraging Canadians uh, to get your shot. Uh, We'll be back with these three in just a second. As mentioned, Park Power does power our real talk. RJ hashtag the Internet, electricity and natural gas game. That's their wheelhouse. And right now, you know, in Alberta, especially, you know, you can take your business anywhere you want. When it comes to your natural gas, your electricity, you have a choice. 
If you go to parkpower.ca, you'll learn more about what doing business with them means, including the role that they play in community, supporting nonprofits with their profits. Plus, if you use the hashtag or rather the promo code 2021-RealTalk at parkpower.ca, they're going to give you 70 bucks off your first bill. A great promotion there. The team at Friesen Brothers now has their 15th Alberta store. You're talking about iconic Alberta brands. Friesen Brothers for more than 65 years has been Alberta grown and Alberta owned. You've got your license to grill, my friends, and Friesen Brothers has all of your barbecue season essentials. They believe really great food matters. So go to Friesen Brothers for all your fresh Alberta ingredients and everything for the side when you heat up your grill with quality meal ideas and your plating skills every warm alberta day can be a barbecue day with friesen brothers we're hanging out with dr cora constantinescu clara hughes arlene dickinson they're here giving their time to this round table because they want you to give your time to this is our shot.ca share the web link tell people about the project prominent canadians like those joining us today and you heard Haley wickenheiser chris hadfield i mean the who's who of admirable canadians have attached their names to this initiative sam let's share the screen again i want to show people a couple of the really really neat things here um and dr cora maybe you can jump in on this and and explain why this is such a big deal i mean i absolutely love that it, the frequently asked questions right is the vaccine safe what is herd immunity I already had COVID-19. Should I still get a vaccine? Was the vaccine rushed? Are there side effects? I mean, these are questions. Uh, We had a, a listener by the name of Erica write in when we started talking to you three. And she said, I'm not even, she said, I'm paraphrasing. She said, you know, the whole anti-vax movement drives me bonkers. She says, but I think that a lot of people have questions that are very fair. And the spirit of her comment was, we shouldn't just be dismissing those questions. Absolutely. I mean, (laughs) what's really unprecedented about this vaccine is that every one of us has to think about getting it. So naturally, people are going to have questions and concerns. But you know, what's also been really interesting is that over this last year, many things have changed. But the one thing that hasn't is that our people still trust healthcare providers as their main source of vaccine information, which is very powerful, which tells us that we as healthcare providers need to put ourselves out there and we need to support people as they're making the decision to vaccinate. And all these questions make sense to me to ask. And we can we can now better than ever before address them because we have more and more and more data coming in to reassure people and validate them as they make the decision to go ahead and vaccinate. I love here the the, the, the website again, this is our shot.ca has frequently asked questions in Arabic, Bengali, uh, Hindi, Italian, Kurdish, Portuguese. Urdu, Vietnamese. I mean, it's unbelievable. And then you can go through in the campaign. I've had a couple of audience members say, I want to find out where I can get this shirt. You can get your This Is Our Shot shirt at thisisourshot.ca available in 27 different languages. I mean, check these out. This is absolutely fantastic. If you go on the site, you want to get it en français, you want to get it in Punjabi, you want to get it in Blackfoot, Armenian, Spanish. Inuktitut, we sent yeah. a whole bunch of t-shirts up to Kanikswaludrak, as I mentioned, at Inuit community. So it really, this is a collective. This is a collective of all people, all communities, all cultures, and us all coming together as one. And, um, and you know, with that ultimate goal of protecting ourselves, protecting each other. Arlene, I mean, it's been so 
beautiful watching this campaign roll out. I, and we've been, you know, messaging back and forth and emailing, and it's so beautiful to see you here today because I know that you and Guri and Haley and myself are just a few of the people that have made this campaign. Cora, all of the, all of our doctors who are behind this, and this is just something to bring vaccine hesitancy and negativity to a positive place, to a hopeful place, to a confident place. Yeah, and 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 just I I, I can't um, again I'm 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 it's hard to step after uh, Clara said anything because she's always so articulate and eloquent about what she's saying. But I I want to just loop back to something that was said earlier about the indigenous people and also you know all of the communities when we talk about the 27 languages and why we're doing it that way. You know, this is not a time for political divide. This is not a time for us to be thinking about you know one community versus another. It, it is absolutely why we are grassroots as a movement. It is why we don't have government involved. It is why we are being exactly true to who we are as Canadians. We are a multicultural country that represents many different types of people from many walks of life, from many areas in the world who have come to this country to build this country, to, sh to support each other, to do something that is amazing together. And this is our moment. This is our shot at actually making the dreams of everybody who is a Canadian come true by coming together and doing what we do the best, which is thinking about the we, not the I. And it's thinking about who we are as a group, not as individuals. And while I really understand that there, I, I understand vaccine hesitancy, I get it. When I, it was my turn to get the vaccine, I first thing I did was call my doc and say, hey, is this, should I get this? Is it safe? You know, what should I do? And, and thankfully, I was able to do that and get a hold of my doctor who gave me reassurance that this was not only the right thing to do, but it was the best thing to do for myself and for my family. And so, you know, I went down there, got the shot. I was so happy to have it. I felt, again, I cried uh, like Clara. It's, it's just such a relief. Um, but I, I want to encourage everybody who has hesitancy, go to the site ask the questions are there you will get the answers you want not filtered through any political agenda not filtered through any media misinterpretation not filtered through anybody just factual information from doctors who know and who you can trust and who you can believe in because they understand the science and that i think is really the message of this is our shot it is our opportunity to restart our nation in a way that is meaningful and to do it together. It's not about getting back to normal. As I said earlier, it is about getting forward, to, looking forward to the future and building something together by taking care of each other. And that's what Canadians do the best. That's beautifully yeah. said. While it's not about uh, the shirt, it truly is about the shot. This shirt is a, actually a fundraiser. Any profits from the shirt every penny is going to kids help phone to support youth mental health and um i mean we all know that mental health for of everybody has been has has been taxed we've all it it this is um i mean haley said yesterday i heard her on on the national cbc um news and she said the next pandemic and when she was asked what that was she spoke specifically about the mental health repercussions that this is going to that are going to and already are being seen there are so many people that are struggling including all of our young people in canada so this is this is a beautiful fundraiser for kids help phone and um this is uh such a deep obviously a deep area 
that's in my heart. Um, and um, I worry about so many people. I worry about us all because not only of the stress of this time, but the amount of screen time that young people are having daily with online learning, which is obviously very important, but that takes its toll. It is not good for your mental health and well-being. And um, we are going to have a lot of a lot of repercussions from this time. I, I think that you've identified and Clara, you've been such an unbelievable advocate for mental health and for, for and just opening the door for those conversations. Uh, for many years now, uh, Doctor Constantinescu, what do you what do you I'm foreseeing? I want to maybe ask this question to all three of you, and it's kind of funny. I don't want to be guilty of pigeonholing you all. Like, oh, I should ask Arlene about the economic implications of the pandemic. I should ask Clara about the you know the the, the get outdoors and mental health. You know, let's all just talk about it. Just as as Canadians, as human beings, um, perhaps things will never be normal again. Uh, for some people, that's because they've lost loved ones through a pandemic. For other people, we touched on this yesterday. Some friendships will never be the same. Um, some people have exhibited character qualities through the pandemic, I think, that are very troubling. Um, and Arlene, I am going to ask you in a few minutes about about a public tiny little dust up, maybe with one of your former dragons, um, who's been really poking the bear on a lot of things and, and in my mind, per- perpetuating some misinformation. But but when we talk about the effects of this pandemic and what will last, what will be residual, we can talk big picture. A lot of more, a lot more Canadians are more open now to the idea of a universal basic income. People are having, I, I think, viewing public health professionals in a different light. I think that people will have more of an appreciation, I hope, for people that staff long term care centers and child care centers. And we're seeing some evidence of that. Uh, Dr. Cora, what do you what do you see as, as something you would like to see come out of this? How would you like to see Canadian society or people around the world change in a positive way as a result of this pandemic? Yeah, and Ryan, I'm so glad you touched on the fact that there's been such a cost to each and every Canadian. Even if you haven't had somebody die close to you of COVID, there's been such a cost to each and every one of us. And that's why there is such a benefit to this vaccine to each and every one of us. But you know, from as a medical professional, the last year has been one where um, we've had to learn a lot of humility. And I would hope that that's what is carried through and taking us back full circle to that initial emotional start, vulnerability. So I would hope that, you know, like if you look at the many recommendations that have changed, the many things where people said, well, no, that couldn't happen. And then it did. That taught me to uh, never say never, have a really open mind to anything that can happen. And um, I hope that humility stays moving forward to us all. And then to realize how vulnerable each and every one was to this and will continue to be to whatever else is threatening our public health and our personal health. And I hope that's what will stay with our society. Hmm. Clara, what, what's what hope are you or what change are you hoping to see or, or maybe what change are you seeing already? Well, I mean, there's there are so many things I can touch on, but I want to touch on mental health care and access to that care, appropriate um, care for for different communities and in in respectful ways. But access, um, we have a not just broken system when it comes to mental health care in Canada 
it is not in a place where we can even call it broken. It needs to be built up from the ground up. When Canada deinstitutionalized mental health care from, from hospital and facilities, um, the funding in some provinces went from 13 to 14 percent of available health care funding down to 6 percent. And that is not seen. We don't know about that. We don't know that the rollout that was supposed to happen with community care and access to that care, especially for the most vulnerable people, did not happen. It did not happen. The opioid crisis, the, un, the experience of homelessness for people is directly rooted in a lack of proper funding and access to care and supports for mental health. And that this is something that we need to lobby our governments, local, provincial, federal, for better access, quality, and variety of care for all Canadians. So this is something that I is going to be front and center. And I urge people to educate yourself on what's available, find out what's available locally, find out who is doing the work to advocate for this care and jump on board, use your voice, use your voice as a citizen to make sure that nobody is left without those supports. And also know, and I think this has been a really beautiful shift and this is goes back to the action of what you can do as a person. How I have seen so many people who have truly learned this beautiful gift and this lesson of holding space for another person. I think the pandemic in a lot of ways as stressful as it has been for a lot of people, it's allowed them to slow down and to just realize the profound beauty and opportunity of the moment you're in. And holding space, when I say that, means holding a non-judgmental space and being a listener for somebody who's struggling, being there for them so they are heard, they are seen, they are heard, and they are believed, and they feel that. They're not judged, they're not told what to do, and you just listen for, to them. As a non-professional in mental health, I can say that this has been the biggest lesson for me as I've spoken about my own personal mental health journey throughout the years and encouraged others to do the same. It has been learning to be humbled and to hold space for another person, and we can all do that for each other. Beautiful. That was beautifully said. Um, check this out. I wanted to read this. This is this is troubling. Uh, this is a tweet that that I've just been tagged in. Uh, Michelle Gurin says, FYI, Alberta, they're redeploying pediatric and neonatal nurses to staff ICUs in the city. Michelle says most of us haven't touched an adult patient since nursing school. This is a crisis. Get your vaccine and stay the hell at home, says Michelle Gurin. Uh, doctor, how, how significant is that? Can you can you explain to us? Can you provide some perspective for like if a, if a pediatric nurse is redeployed or assigned to an ICU, what would that be like, like in, in another industry? Are you are you asking a, a baker to butcher a cow or, or how would you compare it? Well, see, I know I tell you, so I'll tell you from the perspective of a physician. I, um, I, I haven't really dealt with adult patients in maybe over seven, eight years. Um, and and this would be a whole new set of skills that people would have to learn very quickly. And ICU care is incredibly specialized. And what we've always shown in ICU care is that if you have really well-trained staff, then the outcomes improve. I'll just leave it at that to say that if you know, 
it probably the the opposite is also true that if you don't have really well trained staff how can you expect to have the same kind of outcome if you look in a in a in a perfect world in an ICU you have one nurse to one intubated patient because that patient's needs are so many and they need so much care and when you have to divide that that when out that's when outcomes change so this is the part that i think people don't always understand we're dealing with incredibly specialized care and patients who have extreme need um and i will just say that uh, if i were to be in icu i wouldn't want myself to look after me um and i would want you know that adult icu um staff to to be in charge of my health but we'll have to do what we need to do if um and and i know each and you know many 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 of us will step up um to help our fellow canadians but we can only do it within the constraints of what we're trained to do yeah arlene when when you take a look ahead uh at this country that you're so proud to call home uh when the dust has settled on this let's say two years out uh, how do you hope that that canada will look a little bit different or, or what evidence are you seeing that maybe it's on its way there well you know the the i hope i hope that we have learned an appreciation for entrepreneurs and for small business and for the efforts that they put into our communities and what they mean to us so i hope that as we come out of this we will again support and recognize how important they are to the fabric of our not just our economy but to to our communities and so i i do hope that we come out of this stronger as entrepreneurs and and business people recognizing the need to not um just support big business but to clearly support small entrepreneurs who are doing everything they can to create jobs to help the economy i hope that we are a country that will be kinder and less political and more um human and i hope that we're a community that and a country that will put effort as clara is so eloquently said again into healthcare um we need to not just build our mental healthcare um efforts uh, from the ground up but we need to really take a hard hard look at our public healthcare system and support it both financially and um and um ec- well economically against all areas you know we need we need to fund we have to fund what matters to us and we have neglected our healthcare system and we are paying the price for that today because there aren't enough there isn't enough funding for hospitals there isn't enough edu- support of doctors and healthcare workers and the ability to train them and get them into our system there isn't enough support for them once they are in here this is i think a crisis for canada so when we talk about the future i hope we are funding mental healthcare i hope we're thinking about the outcome of this pandemic as it relates to you know obesity and other areas where people are getting really trapped into their own selves because they're home all the time they're not taking care of themselves so we have to think about how do we help people get healthy again um so i'm kind of thinking about all the bad things in order to say what i want for the future but i want a healthier country i want a country that cares more for each other i want a system that actually is funding the right things not the wrong things we spend trillions we spend so much money on so many things and i want to know that those dollars that we give whether they're through tax dollars or however we fund that those dollars are actually acting in the best interests of our country not being wasted on frivolous things that are politically driven that are not going to drive any outcome for us as humans so i want accountability and that's what i hope happens in the future yeah well said uh, kim says yes 
as you're type as you're saying this, she's typing. She says, "My clients are small business owners. We've hustled hard to pivot businesses. My business kept their business going, which kept other people's businesses going." Says Kim, but we're tired. And I think yeah, that exhausted. that's, you know, absolutely exhausted. And and some people financially have, have taken such an enormous hit from this um, that it's a conversation that demand, demands to be had. And I love the optimism, Arlene, and, and, and essentially your mandate to to try to keep politics out of it. Now, everything is politicized. We understand how things work. We're not in, in, in some panacea here that we don't understand with our rose-colored uh, colored glasses, but at the same time, it needs to be taken out. I have to ask you about this. We talked to Dr. Joe Vipond. He's an emergency doctor on Monday. Um, he had tweeted out, uh, essentially, uh, a warning. Um, he was taking a look at the numbers, and here it is. I mean, he, he, he was essentially saying, like, we got to be careful. Like, you know, uh, Calgary doctor says Alberta ICU admissions will soon exceed the second wave. Uh, you're you know, former dragon, uh, you know, Brett Wilson. Well, Arlene comes out and says, you know, Calgary doctor. He says he's not a Calgary doctor. He's an NDP voting doctor. And he goes like this. Uh, Joe Vipon steps up and says, I'll donate a hundred or a thousand bucks to the food bank if I'm wrong. You know, why don't you step up? And then Arlene, you had the doctors back. You said I'll match up to 10 grand for the Calgary food bank here, and, you know, and, and keep up the hard work fighting COVID. And thank you. I'm sure you're all exhausted. You said thanks to you and your healthcare working colleagues, whatever your politics. That was huge for you to step up like that, to speak out essentially against W. Brett Wilson. What prompted you to do that? And what insight do you have into into the way that your former dragon is conducting himself on social media as of late? I, I don't believe that anybody should go against somebody, a healthcare worker, a frontline worker for their politics. I don't care who it is that's saying that. You, we have no right to judge somebody's profession because of their politics. And so that, it, it did hit me, um, it hit me hard. I was really angry when I read the comments because it again was dragging into the mud something that didn't belong there. This is a doctor who is, I don't know Dr. Vipond. I don't know anything about Dr. Vipond, but I know that he's got a doctor in front of his name and I know he's doing everything he can. And I know he's been fighting. Like I looked at his Twitter feed and I looked at all the things he's doing to try and make sure that um, the facts are out there. Uh, listen, we all have political views, but hes he was, from what I could see, just saying the facts and what he believed to be true. And in fact, what I understand, if I'm not incorrect, is that what he predicted is actually happening right now. And so I, I guess I'm a bit of a justice warrior, Ryan. I don't like when I see people picking on people because of their political views when they actually are trying to you know, talk about facts. And I thought it was really um, an unnecessary and um, bullying tactic. I, I thought it was just wrong. And, and I, I'm, you know, I, that's just how I felt. And so that's what prompted my... Um, that's what prompted my reply. Always classy. Well, I'll tell you, when I saw it, I went, ooh, I love it. Because you stepped up and you had the back of a healthcare worker, which you, you wouldn't think you'd have to do in this day and age after a year of this. No. Uh, but there you were. No. You know, these healthcare workers um, are all exhausted. I have a lot of really good friends who are doctors. And Dr. Cora, I, I want to just make sure I say this publicly. Thank you, thank you, thank you uh, to every doctor out there. You know, in Alberta right now in particular, the docs are fighting so damn hard. And 
and the nurses. And again, I get into all of the healthcare workers. Everybody is fighting so hard and you have our gratitude. And I, I, and, and if anybody ever comes out a doctor, they can expect a, a, a harsh response, I think, from Clara, from me, from anybody who's in this campaign, because we have so much respect for you. Very well I said. I mean, I just, I just want to say thank you for saying that. And, and I want to tell people how much it's me, meant to me, and I know to a lot of my colleagues, to never, like, we've always felt so supported by the public. Um, you know, from the banners, the seven o'clock, so people would come out and bang their pots, to different banners that say thank you to our healthcare workers. I've had people drop food off outside my door. And, you know, I, um, I've always loved my job. And, and and a bit like this, um, a bit like this podcast, I would say a day at the hospital is uh, crying and swearing. <laughs> but uh, I still do love my job now. And it's such a privilege for me to now be able to support people as they're making the decision to vaccinate. It's just an extension of that. And uh, and yeah, thanks for saying that. And thank you to each and every one of you who I know have even said prayers for us. People used to text me to say, I'm praying for you. Man, that means a lot. <laughs> so thanks. And I have to echo everything that Arlene said. Just uh, Dr. Contentinescu, to you and all your colleagues and healthcare heroes at all levels in every facility, in every realm across this this um, landmass, Turtle Island, Inuit Nunangat, Métis Homeland, Canada. Um, thank you. Ultimate gratitude. And I think more, most importantly, full respect. Very well said and a perfect point for us to thank these three remarkable individuals for giving us an hour. You have inspired a live audience. And later today, when this podcast drops, I have no doubt that that's going to happen all over again. Donna says thank you to these three. It is so nice to know there are people out there with a voice of reason says cheers to real talk. I mean, we've got hundreds of comments here from people just saying thank you. Dr. Cora Constantinescu, Arlene Dickinson, Clara Hughes, uh, blessings to you. Thank you for your advocacy here. This is our shot.ca, wishing you the best of health. Dr. Cora, thank you for everything you and your colleagues are doing on the front lines. Clara, I'm going to go back and listen again to you talking about the, the feeling of being on the podium and carrying the flag. I just had chills going through my entire body. I'm also trying to figure out what I would do if I encountered Haley Wickenheiser and Clara Hughes hiking Mount Rundle. I don't know what I'd do. You guys would look. I'd have a couple beers in my backpack. You'd probably just shake your head and keep going. Arlene, it's so nice to reconnect again. Thank you to the three of you. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks so much. Thanks Unbelievable. For us you on. bet. This is our shot.ca is where you can learn more of the campaign. You can order your shirts. What a great conversation that was. We want to remind you that right now is the time to, well, take your dream and make it reality when it comes to either the curb appeal of your front yard or maybe creating that backyard oasis. And nobody in central and northern Alberta does it better than the team at Eden Landscaping. You want proof? Go check out landscapeedmonton.ca. For some of the projects, you'll see they can do them small all the way up to enormous they can help you build your dream they'll design it for you too so it's a one-stop shop the team at eden landscaping a proud partner of real talk you can find them under the sponsors tab on our website at ryanjesperson.com that's also where you'll find the team at grand dog essentials quality raw food 
Sarah Hoyles, the producer of this program, I noticed that your eyes lit up the other day when I mentioned Grand Dog Essentials and we learned something about you I didn't know before. Yeah, I have a beautiful dog named Ranger and he adores his, uh, his eats from that. So how long have you had Ranger on the quality raw food? Oh my gosh. Um, it actually, he was a lucky boy because I, my previous dog, I put her on it because she was, she was about 13 years old needed to get some really good nutritional support and then once she passed on i got ranger and um he just got to you know enjoy the the offerings because of emma they go nuts over it hey oh like like moses and monroe go nuts we call it the dinner dance dinner dance dinner dance <laughs> yeah. dinner dance dinner dance. if yeah. you want to see your dog's dinner dance that might have to be their new slogan <laughs> you might get royalties on that i don't know check out granddog.ca if you use the promo code real talk they'll take 10 percent off your first order and of course they deliver right to your door if you're in calgary edmonton or central alberta also a shout to the team at saint albert and Sherwood Dodge. I, I was talking to Scott Held from Held Automotive. That's who owns the dealerships the other day. And he said, you know, it's wild. Dealerships are having a really tough time getting pickup trucks in. And this is the season. Everybody's looking to upgrade their rides to pull their trailers. Right. He explained it to me. There's a shortage of microchips. The Texas storms factored into it. He goes, but here's the thing. At Sherwood Dodge, at St. Albert Dodge, number one, they can share inventory. Number two, because of their reputation as having the best selection of Ram trucks in the province, they don't have as many as they normally do, but they have more than everybody else. So if you want to see the selection, today's a great day to check out St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge. What a conversation. With those three, like Sam Brooks, you've been switching this thing, but behind the scenes, keeping us on track, technical producer of the show. And you and I, I saw we had some shared reactions. I was just a captive audience member for half of that, half that hour together. It's, I mean, first and foremost, uh, since, since Sarah's joined us, I don't frantically take notes for the clips anymore. So I'm, I'm a little more just like, it's fun being an audience member. You know what I mean? It's fun just taking in the interviews and, and you're welcome. I'm t- <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, I love having you here so much. Oh, oh my God. It's changed my job so much. Um, no, but I just, you know, I'm, man, where do you start with this whole thing? Um, I think that there's a, you know, when Dr. Contantinescu, wow, that's a, that is a mouthful, that name, um, talked about humility, talked about how when we come out of this, she thinks we're going to be more compassionate, talked about how, um, I think we understand how bad things can get right now. And, and you know, Claire and Arlene really echoed that with just sort of the ideas of if we take anything away from this experience, it's that like there has to be more support and more respect for each other and less politics and things. I mean, you, you know, Arlene Dickinson almost seemed uncomfortable talking about the W. Brett Wilson thing because she just wants to avoid it entirely. You know, I, I hear her. I hear that there's just there's. It's unfortunate we have to inject politics into this because politicians control our vaccine supply. But at the same time, it's, you know, this is such an apolitical issue. We have this global crisis we're all trying to figure out and 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 we're spending time spinning our tires and throwing mud at each other. And it's just disgusting. Yeah, well said. Joanne says, what a fantastic panel of educated individuals. Uh, says I'll be sharing that segment on Facebook to all those anti-vaxxers. We need to move the dial on vaccines. We need to get needles into arms. Um, and, and I think that, I mean, there was just a real, uh, there was sort of this underlying, I mean, the way that that conversation started, there was an infusion of emotion that typically happens in reverse. 
right? A roundtable conversation starts, and just as a host, I mean, these aren't sort of your average panelists, right? These are these they're pretty seasoned. They're they're pretty seasoned. They have. I, I was going to say they have media training. Clara Hughes, whatever Clara brings to the table, is like otherworldly. Mm. Um, that that is yeah. like she. Clara could, uh, in all seriousness, I'm mean, absolutely be dead serious in saying this. If she set her sights on politics, I think Clara Hughes could be the Prime Minister of Canada one day. She has that that compelling kind of an X factor where she just connects with people. I mean, Arlene Dickinson again. I mean, I loved her comments about you know people kind of expecting me to be this dragon and breathing fire and all this but you know the, her, the humanity she brings to the table and then and then cora firsthand dr Constantinescu, like like you know her perspective I mean, it was just amazing but typically in a round table it starts everybody gets warmed up and gets into it and then you'll hit that peak or that emotional moment this one was just right out of the gates and yeah. i was feeling it too i don't know about you but I mean, that was amazing and the audience was connecting to that that kind of felt like and we've had some wonderful and powerful moments here on real talk that to me is it was it was a top five. I thought that was amazing. It was it was really incredible. I don't want to be like a Debbie Downer, but I that uh, the talk about you know the, you know w- we need to come together. It needs to be not as political. I I don't know that we can back up from where we are. I don't know that we can we can get reset. I feel like it's been made a very divisive topic. Um, it's been made political to Sam's point. Um, and I don't know how we, you know, switch into reverse and, and get out of it. It's, um, you know, people are have drawn their battle lines and people are in their little echo chambers um, on their different social media accounts. So how do we I mean, it's a bigger question. And I don't want to say, you know, I don't I still like I truly believe in in vaccinations. And I truly believe that um, it's important that we come together and we think about the we not the I. But some people are really far down the rabbit hole um, on the other, like going the other direction. Yeah. Uh, like to touch on the Brett Wilson thing. Um, and and I'm, I've already talked about this clown more than I prefer to over the course mm. of a month. Um, but, but like for me to be, you know, to, to say not a Calgary doctor and NDP voting yeah. doctor, like number one, you don't know how the doctor voted. Uh, number two, what are you implying that there's a, a partisanship here? So what the fuck do you call your comments, Brett? Like, are you not a partisan? Are you not a blind partisan? Mm. Like he is he is the richest idiot I've ever seen in my life. I mean, he proves you can be rich while being a complete fucking idiot. And that's Brett Wilson. And to me, to be calling out physicians that are warning about pandemic waves I mean, it requires I mean, to wear the shirts he wears requires courage to speak out publicly like, you know, more than a doctor. I don't even know what that is. That that that's just mediocre, middle aged white guy energy. That's what that is from Brett Wilson, uh, who, as far as I'm concerned, should delete his Twitter account and, and save whatever face he's got left. And while he's at it, maybe clean up his orphan wells like Brett Wilson, why he has any. This should just be trash talk right now. Uh, I, why Brett Wilson thinks that he is in a position or standing to comment on anybody else's opinions while he is part of the problem on a number of fronts. And I'm looking into the camera lens because I know he's going to see this. Brett Wilson needs a, a heavy dose of reality and he needs to back off calling out public healthcare workers and healthcare professionals, let alone emergency doctors in the middle of a pandemic because he thinks he knows the way they vote. The evidence is everywhere. Alberta is in serious trouble. 
And if you right now are doubling down on supporting the Alberta government for whatever reason, whether it's to save face or because you think that in some way your voice is going to is going to change the statistics and make reality unreal. Think again. I mean, statistics and numbers do not lie. Hospital admissions and ICU statistics do not lie. The numbers are there. The evidence is there. And I don't blame members of the public for pushing back big time on this. I don't know where that guy gets off. It absolutely drives me nuts. But Brett Wilson has a big voice. He's a he's a prominent personality, right? He's part owner of a National Hockey League franchise. I mean, if I'm the National Pre- Nashville Predators, seeing the way that this guy runs his mouth, I don't know why he's... You know, but the same thing, he's going to throw his garden parties, right, when, when people can gather again and people en masse thrilled to get the invitation to the garden party will start to show up. And I wonder at some point, at what point are people with self-respect going to start to disassociate with this guy? Because in, in my mind, he represents the absolute worst of humanity in the way that he approaches or talks to healthcare workers. I can't stand it. Um, and I've had, quite frankly, enough of it. For, for, for healthcare workers, for frontline professionals to be facing public attacks, something happens when a guy like Brett Wilson calls out an individual on Twitter. The army of followers, it's like a dog whistle. It's so dangerous. It's so dangerous. And the, the repercussions, like you may say, well, well, you know, I don't know if W. Brett Wilson's actually nuts or if that's just the character he plays on social media. You know, he's actually a really nice guy. I, 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 was, I went to a conference that he spoke at. Doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be him. It can be somebody that is acting, that, that perceives that Brett Wilson is tapping them on the shoulder to go do something. Um, and, and Joe Vipon, to me, when we talked to him on Monday, showed remarkable courage showing his face on the show and, and coming out and speaking out about this. But even he didn't want a lot to do with the, with the scuffle. Like Dr. Joe Vipon, because he's a, a, you know, a professional, wanted more to talk about getting people vaccinated, recognizing the strains on the healthcare system, misinformation, battling misinformation, etc. Um, nobody really wanted to be dragged down into the mud, but Brett Wilson dragged him down into it. It was kind of it was it was a microcosm of of the bigger of what Joe Biden is is trying to address and you know staying above the fray but he was you know by by that tweet coming at him you know it was demonstrating i mean it was al- like it was almost not funny but it was almost funny that he was like do you realize what you're doing you are demonstrating the exact point that there is misinformation, that people are making this political when it it should not be. There are people in hospitals who are dying. Our numbers, are, I mean, just earlier we were talking about the news and we are at the highest rate now, the highest rate of COVID for the entire pandemic. We've been at this for more than a year. So how have we not learned? And why aren't we, why haven't we learned to listen to doctors around, you know, make sure you get the vaccines, stay masked, uh, keep social distancing. I mean, all those things are still in play. And uh, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. It's, it's very taxing. But we also didn't need to be here. We didn't need to be at the spot. Yeah, well said. Um, you can let us know what you think about what you're seeing here on the show, what you're hearing. Our inbox is always wide open and we love to hear from you to talk at ryanjesperson.com. If you're hitting us up on Twitter, either live during the show or later in the day, heck, over the weekend, make sure you use the hashtag RealTalkRJ. That's how we can keep an eye on, on what people are talking about and, and what matters most 
to real talkers uh in just a second we're going to get to I, i've seen some people on the on the uh live chat saying well what's jesper going to do about trash talk here because the, the week is ending on such a high note um and i hope people don't see trash talk as a negative segment trash talk is a chance for you to blow off a little steam and we could stand to use quite frankly quite frankly because trash talk often gets very political uh we could stand to receive a few more that are you know comical funny you know something you wanted to say to somebody in traffic you're going to hear one today a guy writing in about his neighborhood nothing to do with politics trash talk can be a lot of fun and we encourage you to to, to submit those um, throughout the week for our review if you will this is just a quick reminder the team at clean air club this weekend into next week and moving forward wants you to breathe easy and save money they're in the furnace filter business when's the last time you changed yours go down have a look at it pull it out for a second and try not to gag if it's been a while you'll be shocked that all the air going through the vents in your home is passing through that filter you know you're supposed to change them on a regular basis they keep you on track they deliver furnace filters to your door and you pay less than you would in store. You can sign up today at cleanairclub.ca. A big shout out to the team at Kubi Energy. We have some amazing submissions for positive reflections coming up on Monday's show. Hey, Sam, how would you characterize in one word those photos, those wolf photos that we received? I mean, now you've given it away, but I I would say one word, uh, majestic. Majestic. Perfect. A listener, a viewer sent in these. We're going to show you some wolf. Fo- they, they shot him themselves, like with a camera, by the way, with a camera. Uh, unbelievable. It's how we get our week started off on a positive first step. Kubi Energy, you know, solar installers across Western Canada, headquartered out of Edmonton with an office in Kamloops, industrial, commercial, residential. They've got you covered. They can answer all your questions about green energy and how to make that transition. Heck, the founder of the company, Jake Kubiski, made the career transition himself from oil and gas into solar. It's a great story. You can learn more at kubienergy.ca. Also, a big shout out to the team at Local Waste. You know, for more than 25 years, they've been doing business locally owned and operating and integrity is what they are all about. They're not going to get you signed up for a big bin if your small business doesn't need it. They'll start you small as your business grows. So grows your relationship with Local Waste. You can check them out online at localwaste.ca. Ask for Lauren, Chris or Mikkel and you can find them under the sponsors tab on our website. Every single Friday, the team at Local Waste presents a little something we call Trash Talk. All right, this one from Robert, who sent it in to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Hey, to the guy in the fancy car who rips through our neighborhood while my kids are trying to sleep, I have two pieces of advice. Number one, you were made perfect, whole, and complete. Not everybody is destined to wear size 13 shoes or extra large gloves. You will find your someone, but this is not the way. And number two, he says, Ryan, if you could tap into Jim Carrey's voice in Liar Liar, stop breaking the law, asshole! Robert says, have a great weekend. Sarah, Sam, Ryan, and all the real talkers. Stay safe and be well. Very positive from Robert. How about this one from Jarrett, who says, you know, I've read and reread 
W. Brett's idiotic tweet to that doctor about 50 times, and I still can't understand what not a Calgary doctor and NDP voting doctor actually means. And then this follow-up about how much Dr. Vipon invoiced the people of Alberta was even more trash. That from Jarrett in Red Deer. How about this one from Shalane, who says, against better judgment, I read an article about Tucker Carlson saying kids wearing masks is child abuse. So I asked my 6, 8, and 12-year-olds what they thought about wearing masks over the past year. My 12-year-old says she wants to wear a mask for her safety. My 6-year-old says he loves his Edmonton Oilers mask. I told my 8-year-old son why I was asking and what Carlson said, and then he said, Mom, that guy's probably friends with Donald Dump and should just go into the trash. Shalane says, if that's not trash talk worthy, I don't know what is. Donald Dump. How about this one from Tyler, who says, isn't it a bit funny that the government who reduces corporate tax rates and preaches small government is introducing a, you know, tax to use Alberta parks? Let's call it what it is, Jason Kenny. It's a tax. Low-income individuals already face enough boundaries. This will prevent them from accessing the great outdoors. You want to fund the parks? Increase the corporate tax rate. Fund it properly. This government is so out of touch with Albertans, says Tyler. It's time to get them out of here. And I've got a trash talk for myself today. We'll get into this more next week. But Edmonton's police chief, Dale McPhee, says, in fact, it was not a hate-fueled attack, let alone a hate crime, when a whole bunch of kids piled on one kid, a black kid, at an Edmonton school. They utilized the N-word as they twisted him around, beat him, concussed him, and put him in hospital. Now, he says, we've talked to the hate crimes unit. It's not a hate crime at all. In fact, it was a consensual altercation with unfortunate language used. I don't know, Chief, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it sure as fuck sounds like a duck to me. The N-bomb makes it hate. I don't care whether or not it qualifies in the courts as a hate crime. People expect leadership from police officers, especially at the top. And to restore faith, it's important to approach this with the professionalism people expect from law enforcement. You tell people of color in the city of Edmonton that there's not a problem. I'm sure they'll have a message back to you. Be better, my friends. Have a wonderful weekend. Get in touch with us. Talk at ryanjesperson.com. Long may you rock. And we'll talk to you live on Monday morning.